0: welcome to episode 110 of the never iron anything comics review podcast a weekly show that finds a comic subject suggested by a co-host and then we really get into the nuts of it um, this week we have a returning co-host the now retired who is now also finding even more time to read comics Yes, it's Eamon Clark evening Evening, Tony. How you doing? Good, man. Good, man. Yeah, we've um, we've just recorded one of your podcasts, haven't we? So we've been chatting for God only only just over an hour. That's not too bad for us. Um, yeah, which is good fun. We've just done an hour of Mega City Book Club of talking about Dave McKean. Yeah, uh, yeah, good. Um, but and now we've got some other books to talk about, which is one I chose for your your podcast. Um, or I said to you, shall we do it? And um, what have you chosen for us to talk about on this one, dude? Right, so
1: I'm challenging us again.
0: I have chosen a book called
1: Mort Cinder, yep. which is written by Hector German Easterheld and with art by Alberto, wait for it, Berethia, Uh spelled B-R-E-C-I-A. You helpfully sent me a pronunciation guide, but we are probably going to mangle that as we go along. That is um, brilliant, because I've written, man- we will is- mangle
0: some Spanish in my notes as well. Good work.
1: Yep. yeah yeah <laughs> nicely prepared so this is is this a 20 or oh, when did it come out actually this is a fantagraphics book yeah uh a lovely sort of hardback um it's what the cartoonist kayfabe called a pillow binding it, because it's got like a soft paddy. Yes. i've written that down as well yeah
0: yeah like a pillowcase or something like that i think he called it yeah yeah, yeah it's that sort of foamy outside cover isn't it yeah which is nice yep
1: here we are fantagraphics july 2018 anyway that's when it was published so we are looking at some overseas comic book art um oh, is what we're going to be talking about and i thought i would challenge us again <laughs> to look at a subject that i'm going to confess that you know i don't know a great deal about i know a bit more about it now because you and i have been doing our research and swapping notes as usual yeah but yeah um, this is a sort of unexplored uh, territory for, for, I think possibly for both of us actually in a
0: way. Yeah, I think so. You already
1: had this one, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I had this. um, um, I'd been chatting to uh, Johnny Cannon about it and um, I'd impulse bought it. Um, I think Johnny was talking to me about that video of Brettier where he draws with a a razor blade. Um, Right. And I became quite inspired by that and, um, and bought this book um, immediately. It's, um, it is absolutely astounding. It is breathtaking. I absolutely loved it. In fact, I bought two other books by him as well at the same time. I bought Dracula um, and the Eternaut, which I'm, we will get to because that's an interesting history to that one as well. But why? Why did you pick this one in particular, Eamon?
1: So, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be apologised because I don't, I can't remember who tweeted about it. Okay, somebody tweeted about this book. Um in early 2020, when we were in lockdown, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I confess, I knew nothing about it. And the tweet was something along the lines of, you know, how so many Western artists own, oh, so much to Alberta Brethia. Um, so I bought the book. Uh, and then I went out and I bought two more of his, The Eight and, Ought, and another book called Paramus. Or yes. Paramus. Yeah, I bought that since um, too. Yeah. Yeah, which is a, a huge tome, <laughs> that one. Yeah. Um, and the black and white artwork just blew me away. Um, and it sort of, it made me realise, Tony, because I talked about this in our notes that we've been swapping, it made me realise how much unexplored comic art and sort of comic books there are from other countries
0: yeah.
1: that, um, you know, cause I think you and I have mostly talked about sort of American and British comics on your podcast here. Yeah. Um, but there's so much other great stuff out there that I don't know about that I want to, to have the time to explore And this is one of them. This is, you know, finding out about this Argentinian master. Um, And you can see, we'll mention later on, some of the, you know, some of the Western artists uh, or some of the American and English artists that he's uh, inspired. So, yeah, it was that, basically. It was the the beautiful artwork. It was the intriguing tweet. And it was the idea of uh, another untapped sort of
0: field of comics for us to explore. Yeah, I I agree, man. And I totally get around the i mean we we have we have been a bit um blinded to anything outside of america and britain really haven't we in our sort of comic reading habits so i certainly have i don't know about you but the i've had my eyes open to the Bond dessin and italian comics by um europe comics and by doing a bit of traveling around conventions there and um i've obviously i'm aware of manga i'm not a big manga reader although i have bought a couple of bits this week to because to, i need to need to educate myself around christmas on that but the this stuff from argentina you just wouldn't consider it but they had such an amazing industry going there um and and such a rich history to it um and this mort cinder is just one example of not just breathier's work but all the work that was going on. There was some just incredibly well done comics. Now, could you, are you, able to give us a little potted history of what this book is about? Because it's not the norm, is it? No. Okay, so what
1: what it's about is there are two main characters to the yeah. book. Uh Mort Cinder, that's M-O-R-T, uh, and his surname is C I N D E R. Mort Cinder, I'll come back to in a moment. He's okay. the sort of uh, let's say he's the immortal character who links all these stories. And then there's this bloke called Ezra Winston, who is... He runs an antique shop.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think in one of the panels that we swapped, um, he's sometime, you could abbreviate his name to Ez, possibly. He lives down <laughs> south, somewhere near your manor. There's a bit Tony, of St Albans going on in uh, there, yeah. There is a little bit of that. He's got a sort of collection of uh, dusty, ancient uh, artefacts that he keeps yeah. around. He's always getting himself in the shit. Telling, yeah. Yes, he's always in trouble. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, so, no, it's not a book about you. It's, it, <laughs> it, so, he is the Antiques Dealer, and I was trying to remember, I think the amicus horror film... Is called oh. From Beyond the Grave, which is the one where Peter Cushion is the antique shop owner. Yeah. And it's a it's a portmanteau horror film where people come into a shop, they buy some artefact, they then try to cheat him or steal from him, and then they get yeah. in the story that follows on, they get their sort of poetic, you know, justice, um, and they get, they get what they deserve as a result in the horror story. So Ezra Winston meets this character called Mort Cinder, uh, which we'll talk about. Perhaps, as I say, we'll talk about him in a moment. Yeah. But the stories that follow sort of... I think it sort of settles down into a format, which is some artefact comes into the antique shop. Ezra Winston sees it as an antique, but Mort Cinder sees it as a sort of a, a story, the start of a story.
0: Yeah. story.
1: And you begin to find out that this character has lived through pretty much all of history. And so they tell he tells the story that is linked to that antiques artifact. And that allows the two creators to do, in a way, a little bit of everything. There's a bit of science fiction, there's a bit of horror, there's a bit of Western, there's a bit of uh, prison time, there's a bit of ancient Egypt. There's even the Battle of Thermopylae and the 300 Spars. Yeah, 300 appears, yeah, yeah. 300 yeah way before frank miller so um yeah it's it's it allows them to jump around genres by doing the sort of artifact story i should say i'm sort of missing out you know the the sort of the uh the story where he meets mort cinder yeah which is quite a long and lengthy story at the start of the book yeah. Um, which although the artwork is absolutely stunning, in terms
0: of the story, it wasn't my favourite one. It just seemed to go on a bit. It's a it's a really weird um, one, isn't it? Because he just keeps getting chased and then keeps being captured. It sort of goes round and round in circles. I'll be honest, I think it's my favourite one. That's weird, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Oh is it? Yeah. Okay. I just um It was I, like those it was like those early Doctor Who's
1: where they would be captured, escaped, captured yeah. again, escaped, captured again and you're thinking, Oh, you know, they didn't
0: have Six episodes worth of story this time. (laughs) Yeah, run down. Run through another wood, get captured. Fall in quicksand, get captured. Yeah, it's a bit like that. But I don't know. I think it's the... um, I mean, I have have a theory about what it's about to a certain extent. I think it's about... Certainly the first half of the book is about bad dreams. I think Osterheld was writing that typical anxiety dream, that paranoia dream, that, that reflected the political environment he was in and under. Um, where you have these sort of before the name the, the term was coined, but you have these men in black chasing him, who are these sort of brainwashed soldiers of a you know a more powerful person, which was um, that sort of dirty war that was going in, on in Argentina at the time, and and that overbearing, and and you have to remember that these came out in was it four or five page segments in the magazine, didn't they? Um, they did. This must yes. have gone on for fucking years, his story. You know. Absolutely years. But it just it just it kept getting darker and darker. And um, Mort Cinder, who we'll talk about who he is in a minute, but at one point you think he's a zombie uh in this. He sort of rises from the grave. Um He rises out of the grave like a zombie. He's got a
1: certain sort of Boris Karloff Frankenstein monster or lurch from the Addams family yeah. look to him uh I, it's interesting what you say about the men in black um and the sort of political st- sort of stuff that went on in argentina during uh the writer easterheld's yeah lifetime um and they they're referred to as the leaden or the lead-eyed men yeah um, that's it yeah. i'm yeah. not i'm not gonna say there's a lot of shufflings zombie like <laughs> lead-eyed men wandering around saint albans but you know hey <laughs> yeah, you know, sunday
0: afternoon Possibly, yeah. <laughs> um, that's interesting. So let's. So we, we'll we'll come back to this in a second. But I think we'll talk a little bit about uh, Alberto here. So he um, he was born in Uruguay, Montevideo, um, and he he died in ninety three. Um, he from from being born, he moved to Buenos Aires at the age of three. He uh, was he he has self-complained himself, and I think people describe himself as an early starter. And he published books in in his early or in his mid-teens to magazines now as i understand it a lot of the comics were in magazines format um and were sort of um the, uh, i suppose a bit like 2000 ad but with a lot of text pieces in there as well um he was actually making comics as he worked in a slaughterhouse um, and his early creations included kid del rio grande el vengador and marquita terremoto a lot of his stuff i think i'm right in saying Amen, I is just is this, I think there's one book he actually burnt, which we'll talk about in a minute. But a lot of the stuff we we've never seen here, have we? We've no, we've
1: never seen it and we only hear about it when we read the sort of articles in the back of these books or whatever, or you know, the research we've done for this. Yeah. But yeah, what a I mean, you know,
0: what a sort of huge wealth of magazines and comics that, that we just don't know about. Yeah, utterly. I mean mysterix which is the comic that this appeared in, I'd never heard of it before. I didn't know what it was no. about. Um, in 1950 you met Osterheld um and they joined um the Venice group of creators which had um Hugo Pratt in it as well. Um and the I think Osterheld and him did Sherlock Time for Frontier Extra which was a magazine. Um Right yeah. And you you I've not read this but you sent me a, a story where Hugo Pratt told him to just get on with it or shut up and make comics or something like that, wasn't it? Is that right? So yeah, I think um, Hugo Pratt allegedly at one point
1: when he was in this sort of group of Venice with him, Hugo Pratt told Brethia um, to stop drawing shit basically right. because he was yeah. capable of so much more. And I've I've read Brethia being called um, the Argentinian Kirby. So let's oh, okay. go back to that, you know, when we did the Kirby and Stanley episode about this man, this monster... Because you shared uh, some images of some, like I think, 1940 comic that he'd drawn, yeah, and you can see it's quite sort of it's quite sort of typical standard 1940s comic books. There's nothing terribly yeah. expressive or experimental about it. It's very sort of traditional stuff. And then he's doing this stuff. This book is from 1962 to 1964 or something like that, yeah. Um, so he's in the 60s. It's exactly that same time that Kirby is starting to experiment and push things on American comics. And here is Brethia in Argentina doing exactly the same. I mean, not the yeah. same sort of art, but experimenting, pushing breaking the, the mould, yeah. pushing yeah. the form, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, and, but yes, as we read the notes, all these comics and magazines that you and I have never heard of we'll probably never see the stuff he was doing we're fortunate that fantagraphics have picked up on him and sort of put out
0: and they have they have um, got other stuff coming haven't they it's almost like they're doing a breathier library i think yeah yeah i think they're actually calling it the breathier library aren't they yeah yeah i did laugh um a quote from him um i read um in relation to his early comics he said i earned enough from those early pieces to buy a handkerchief to dry my tears. <laughs> so the <laughs> same as that, comics creators weren't treated well over there either. Um, no. So he, after meeting I said he, in 1959 he moved to the UK and he worked in Thriller Picture Library in the UK and Spy 13 and John Steele. Now one of the questions I was going to ask you, man, is um, I actually think his style owes, doesn't owe more but is, is more similar perhaps to the work that we were seeing... In British comics at the time, than the, the work certainly what we were seeing in uh, American comics, and certainly from what we were seeing in Japanese comics. But I think there is a adventure style, black and white style to his art that we were seeing over here a bit more. I think so. It would have been okay to work in those books.
1: Yeah, and I think of course you know black and white art. Um, probably that's one of the similarities then I guess between the comics of Argentina and the British comics that we would we would traditionally. Have black and white art and we'd often have uh we know we'd often have these european art agencies doing the art doing these adventure stories um you know i did recently i did that comic the indestructible man um with dave mcdonald from hibernia press Mm. um that sort of traditional weekly black and white anthology adventure comic with some daring do yeah he he reminds me of that
0: yeah uh sort of art you're right yeah there's that touch to it and the, i think the pages are larger i get the sense that the, the pages in argentina were of a larger format than american pages and more more akin to what we saw over here um yeah so he, he was in england but he had to he was only in, in the uk for a short amount of time which may explain a panel or two we're going to talk about in a minute, um, between 1959 and 1960. And he moved back home as his wife needed a kidney transplant. So he returned. Um, luckily, when he returned shortly after it, he started working on Mort Cinder. Um, he co-founded the Pan American School of Arts in Buenos Aires. Um, and then he left comics for a while, interestingly. Um, we didn't see anything from him for a couple of years, or they didn't. But... Um, um, and then he collaborated on a book that was ultimately what caused the death of the writer, the book on um, Che Guevara, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the the writer of this book, Mort Cinder, um, yeah. uh, and of that Che Guevara biography that they did, um, let me see if I can get it right. Her, Hector German Osterheld, Yeah, and... Um, we know that in what 1977, I think he is, along with his daughters, he is disappeared by yeah. the, uh, um, you know, the political powers in Argentina at the time. It's imagine as if Pat Mills was disappeared yeah. by the British government because they didn't like what he was saying and what he was writing. It's that sort of feeling. I mean,
0: all the Catholic you know, They say the pastors yeah, are that yeah, way. Yeah yeah, 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 true, yeah. yeah.
1: They say the past is another country, Tony, or in this case, Argentina is literally another country. But, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. God, what times that people just literally would be disappeared. That was it. They're gone. So he disappeared, followed by his daughters and their husbands. I mean incredible really and this was during I think the period was called the Dirty War, wasn't it and I think someone a journalist dug dug into it a bit a number of years later and he asked why what happened and they actually got an official reply from the government that said we did away with him because he wrote the most beautiful story of Che Guevara that's been ever done like Christ almighty you know incredible I know really I know disappeared for writing comic books yeah Um, and and Brethia it's just extraordinary and Brethia burnt the the pages didn't he he was worried about them coming around to um to take him as well he burnt them he uh, and destroyed them um which is the did original did he take page. them out in the back garden
1: and burn them all that's right yeah
0: yeah as he was waiting yeah. waiting to be taken away for making comics you know and oh. uh, pe- people worried about having to queue up to get into comic conventions or they haven't got a big enough table you know these these blokes were making comics under thread death. yeah yeah oh, no. yeah um he his style i've I've, if you listen to um a few weeks ago uh vince bonn on 11 o'clock was was talking about um brethia and he was talking in relation to the dracula book which has just really come out from Fantagraphics. have you managed to see this yet dude uh so i've
1: seen the sample pages that uh of that on my kindle yeah okay and um, Uh, i haven't got a copy of dracula yet
0: so different man Just you can. I'm sure you can tell. It's done in this sort of really um, transgressive animation style, almost. This blocks of colour and this like very different to this. Completely different. um, Still beautiful. Still incredible. Um, Yeah. So we got that as well. Like you say, we got uh, Peramus, which is um, written by Juan Saturine, which is also a scathing attack on the Argentinian history. Um and it goes it goes through a number of periods. But it, again is more that Perimus is more akin to the style of um Mort Cinder, I'd say. Um have you read Perimus yet? Have you it's it's called it's called Perimus. So
1: it's on. such a big book, Perimus that I've looked through it to look at the artwork, but I haven't read it in, in detail. I've I've looked through it because I know that Disraeli Matt yeah. Brooker um is a big fan of Brethier's work and when you see the sort of background textures that Brethia was putting in in Maut Cinder, but particularly in Perimus, and then you look at some of the stuff that Disraeli's done on Stickleback and you go, oh, yeah, I yeah. can see the link now. I can see the connection. I can see the inspiration. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's definitely one that I've, so, but, I've felt. Yeah, definitely. There's a couple of other ones I'm going to run through if you don't mind, but go ahead, man. What are you going to say?
1: I think it's just that. I mean, I, I have looked through it. It's an enormous book, but it is, and it's got these weird skull faced, uh, sort of poly- yeah. political or dictators. And this character who's on the run, he's got an assumed
0: name from a coat that he's found in. Um, that's yeah, right. it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I've read about the first hundred pages of it. And I, I, I'm sort of rationing a bit of breath here because he is so gorgeous. Yeah, um, he's done quite a lot of the HP Lovecraft stuff. He did some of the myths of Cthulhu books as well, which are well worth watching um, if you can have a just just look on YouTube for him and you'll see. There's very little in English language um, in relation to sort of short documentaries or interviews that you can find, but what you can find is quite a few videos of him drawing. There's him drawing with a brush on a um a. a piece of clear perspex and you see it from the other side of the perspex as it were and then there's that infamous or not that famous drawing of him drawing with a, a razor blade which is just incredible and he gets so much characteristic so many um, emotions through that one and it's just basically a razor blade that you, you got out of an old razor you know just beautiful stuff um a couple of the couple of the people he reminded me of that i was going to run through that i think there is a, there is a, some kind of line between them is um uh Emanuela who's a buddy of mine, I've edited a couple of her comics, um, she um, put some black and white pictures up from an artist called Ben Stahil, um, who's an American artist who worked mostly in colour, but used this really stark black and white when he did do it. And I can really see some of his stuff in there. Probably one that you would more know about um, than me, Eamon, is um, Jesus Redondo. I can yes. see something going on there. Um, yeah, absolutely. I
1: can see a connection there that you can see... When Jesus Redondo drew um, that 2000 AD story about the, the planet with the devil frozen in ice. Oh, right. um, yeah. Return to Armageddon, there it is, right? Oh, it just jumped to my brain. <laughs> and,
0: you know, the way he, do, he drew ice, he drew the devil, I can see
1: breathier there as well. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And, yeah, even Monster in, in Scream, I think, there's a bit of that somewhere. Um, and the Nemesis stuff, even is it something yes. about the line just the quality of the line maybe um and speaking of nemesis um i'd love to know if kevin o'neill had seen his work as well that that's there's the really sharp features of people somewhere um and that that strong ink line uh and then the, probably the big one is bill sinkovich i think he's got to have seen him somewhere yes um, yeah absolutely yeah
1: yeah uh, and in terms of pushing the form you know and sort of yeah. like taking ordinary artwork and then pushing it and doing as you say you know doing all sorts of weird stuff with materials and media and you
0: know just to just to push it and experiment with it and sinkovich was doing that or still doing that yeah they? and i've seen him draw with a paintbrush and all sorts of things so you know there's that 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 artists artist line going through um I can, and it's a strange thing to say, because I think his layouts are more important often than the art, but there's a bit of Bernie Krigstein somewhere um, for me. The the Maybe I'm just thinking of the sort of um, raincoat-wearing men, you know, walking yeah. along in the dark shadows and stuff. Um, and the other one that really jumped out to me was um, Eddie Campbell's Bacchus. I think the, oh, f- yeah. the face of Bacchus is almost a face that you could see um, Brethia draw, I think, you know.
1: Yeah. Just
0: just beautiful. Uh, yeah, I mean I'm looking
1: at some panels now of sort of men wearing flat caps with terrible faces and you think, Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's there's back.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. yeah, Um if you have a look on the um down the tubes has got three really great um by Ron Tyner. There's a history. It's it's a, it's a piece that's split up into three three um posts, but it's written by Ron Tyner, I think, and it's about the life of Brethia and a little bit of the history of Argentina beforehand. I'm in saying Ron Tyner, aren't I?
1: Yes, you are. That's the chap who does it on down the tubes. And there's also uh,
0: Disraeli on his blog
1: has got three separate pages, I think, about Brethia as well.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay, Uh, And on the last one, on page three, is a page from Los Ojos Hila Mente by Brethia, a sort of um, noir thriller page. And if you looked at it quickly, you'd think it was a page from Sin City. Um, really because so that's the
1: other one I was going to mention was Frank yeah. Miller
0: and Sin City um,
1: and then you know the debt that he owes to all of these sort of uh, the Argentinian and the European artists and their black and white work uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe did one recently about was it about Jose Munoz and, oh right you yeah, know, yeah yeah uh, um, and how there's no Sin City without his work but uh, yeah you can see it can't you I mean I, I don't know if it's i don't know if it's wrong of me to sort of lump the argentinians in with the european artists but that black and white expressive artwork beautiful uses of shadow huh. and so on it, it's it's there's something um very sophisticated a certain sort of i don't know i think it's the black and white stuff that i love but it, you know yeah that's where i put it in um, in with those in with those artists that, david roach writes about so beautifully yeah and you know tells us about in um is it masters of spanish comic book Art? i think it's that's right yeah i've got it, it in
0: my feet here that's a beautiful yeah. but that's a companion piece to the 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 comics of the uk book he did as well i think it's harder yeah. to come by isn't it the spanish one um but just i was only that.
1: able to get the digital one yeah oh, because okay. the hard copy seems to be gone now but the, i got it digitally but yeah
0: i've got a feeling it's there's a sale on comicology with that isn't there at the moment is that a comic yeah I think yeah. so have a look for that um yeah, I think you're right, man I think um we move in what is the early sixties here um into very grown up comics in a way um it's not the sort of comic I'd have read when I was ten or twelve, you know when I was first started reading you know or slightly before that reading British weekly comics it's not something that I would have keep up there's a real um ever like uh, overbearing ever pervading sense of dread in these books there's just something weird about them that i suppose you can take from it being from another another world another country another continent um but also they breathe such life into these characters that it's it's a thriller isn't it at its heart it's a weird one i can't really make my mind up what genre it is at all you know um, well, I think, as I've said, I think they, they use the format to explore different genres.
1: But yes, the thriller, a sort of dark, creepy thriller aspect to it. Yeah. And I mean, particularly in that first story, there's an awful lot of creeping around um, this London setting in in the dark with lots of shadows. The, the work on... Trees, oh, uh, yeah. or you know, trees when they're depicted as white against
0: the black background is just. Oh, I was gonna fabulous. say that, man. That's just it's, perfection. Is and yeah. you still realize you're in the middle of the night with that, even though for some reason he just reverses the color, you know, the black and white. And but it's it's so strong. And then occasionally you get this whole panel where things are allegedly firing off in their brains or something, and you get these. It's almost like a, a completely abstract panel of just circles and lines. And it's meant to be brain cells firing off or something. And just, I'm like, who was doing this at the time? You know, who was doing that other than Brescia? Um, but yeah, to, it's to, extraordinary. To, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely beautiful. I'm just blown away by it. I had a, a really good time. It's actually not a bad one to read, um, on a guided view either. I'd like to point that out. It's, um, oh, I read right. it on guided view as well. And you get a whole panel on a screen of your computer. It's beautiful. Um, and he really, you realize how he frames each panel, um, just so perfectly and Ezra has got the most distinctive face compared to Mort Cinder who's got the least distinctive emotion you know ridden face and the Ezra's like looking like he's shitting his pants all the time and curious and you know sad and you've got this Mort Cinder character who's a block of wood isn't he
1: and he's the the Ezra character is not dissimilar to Brethia himself Yes. But, uh, you know it's based on his own appearance i think and he's got this sort of real hangdog the gubrious face with the glasses and everything yeah he's always as you say yeah, when they're quite... out on adventures together
0: he's always in trouble isn't he he is yeah he's always but he, he he's like he's an old man but he'll throw a punch or hit somebody with a yeah. glass or something half the time yeah and he's got such a big a big beak on him as well he? he's he got that cracking nose on him that if you see pictures of, I actually think Grethia grew in to look like his comics. You see him in later <laughs> days, he just really looks like these. Everyone in it, with a, the odd exception, is a man. They're all craggy-faced. Um, yeah, it's so much expression on each panel. But where I was going with that is they are adult comics. They are very well written. And I think, for me, um, it's as well written and paced as it is drawn in a way. Um, Hector German Osterheld, A.J. A.K.A. H.G.O., um, was a hell of a writer as well. I just did. You enjoy that part of it? I mean, have you read the Otonaut as well? Haven't you? The Otonaut? Oh, you've read his. Other read book. the Otonaut, um, Yeah, I've read the other book that's available and really
1: enjoyed that as well. Uh, a terrific little science fiction film that's just waiting to be made. Yeah. Um, but with the sort of Political allegory to it, which of course, you know, I guess characterized all of his writing. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I really liked the format of that, um, you know, find an artifact, tell a story to do with it. Um, It's great stuff. I mean, Mort Sinder's a very strange character, but, you know, the way that they tell the stories and Ezra Winston is just fantastic. Um, And it goes to, I think something that you and I talked about when we did Swamp Thing, Tony, which okay. was, um, you know, the difference between high art and low art and how we could explain to people who didn't read comic books why we get quite so, you know, passionate and excited by stuff like this. Because this is, this is grown-up comic book art, grown-up comic book stories, and... Um, uh, the individual panels should be blown up and hanging in galleries. Yeah. Um, you know, it is extraordinary stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, his writing, the stories, it's great stuff. And, of course, he does, I'll mention it again, he does the 300 at Thermopylae years before Frank. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I wonder about that. Yeah, yeah. much as I think Frank's the goat, that is, uh, is a nice coincidence there. So, Osterheld was born in Buenos Aires as well. He was um, born on the 23rd of uh, July 1919. Originally an archaeologist, believe it or not. Um, A groundbreaking comics writer and journalist who was um, critical of his country's regime and disappeared and was killed um, around 1977. Um, His comics often reflected his strident objections to the authoritarian regime that he lived under in Argentina. Um he he was part of the Venice group as well, uh, Mario Ferstinelli, Hugo Pratt, Ivo Pavone and Dino Bettaglia, Um uh, which was a lot of them were post war Italian comics creators, although some of them I know Hugo Pratt lived in Argentina for a while, didn't he? Um Osterheld and his brother Jorge formed the editorial Frontiera Publications Comics Company, um, which included um Serra Menciol and Frontera Menciol. Um I think Menciol means monthly or magazine or something, um, in 1957, um, and then he started writing El Itanorta, El which is um, ran for 106 weekly episodes, which is weird because, I don't know if you've seen this, I've actually ordered it, it hasn't arrived yet, it's, it's arriving tomorrow, the art in the original version of Itanorta was by um, Francisco Solana López, um, so that the one that we've got, the one by Brethia, is actually a redo of an original series. Um, did you realise that, Eamon? Had you seen that? Yeah,
1: yes. And when I bought the Brethia version, which I've got in front of me, which is a sort of slim hardback album, yeah, um, I was aware of the Solana Lopez earlier version, which I think was about 10 years earlier, but at the time, that wasn't available, or at least then I think it was out of print okay. in the English translation. But, of course, it's now, and I think it's still Fantagraphics. I think, you know, thanks to Fantagraphics. I think so, yeah. It's, it's like a slipcase
0: version,
1: isn't it now? That's right. I've seen it on, uh, again, on Cartoon is Kayfabe, because they did an episode both about Mortsinna and they did an episode about the Solana Lopez right. version of Etonauts. This is the science fiction story about Buenos Aires coming under some form of um, attack, and a group of people who've got together in a house just to play cards end up
0: trapped in this house. Um, And they have to sort of jerry rig a suit, don't they? So they can just go out. So the air is poisonous. So they have to sort of they seal yes. their house up. And Jerry, it's, it's the the opening pages of it. I I think this is common to both. Um, from what I've seen online, this is common to both the books. It, it starts with Osterheld sitting there as the writer, or a, um, a version of him, as a dead man appears in a shadow in front of him. And it's so great an opening. I, I'm so desperate to nick it and use it somewhere where. The person you're writing about appears across the table from you as you're writing, and it's such a genius opening. Um, as I understand it, he wasn't too happy with the original version of it. He thought the artwork was too um, pedestrian, so he went on to do um, the new version of it. Um, I've yet to read the old version, of I, I, so I can't really say, but it does look slightly more basic in artwork for that one. Um, Whereas not... the breathy artwork in the one I've got, extraordinary. Yeah, Incredible. Yeah, incredible, and it's it's as you say. I read mine in an after, you know, in an evening, sat with the telly on, and um, it's a quick read. Um, uh, and things appear out of. I, I don't want to say the actual mist, but the the way that he forms the drawings is not always straightforward. Um, just just incredible, and it's a short one. You can buy, and it's not an expensive book, as I recall. It's nineteen ninety nine in dollars, so it's not going to be much otherwise over here. But it's quite a nice hardback, well worth getting. Um, in 1970, he wrote a scathing bio of Evita Perron. I know you're a big fan of the musical. Um, and, then, yep. and then, obviously, he disappeared. Um, I think genuinely one of the greatest writers, I can't remember who said it now, but someone said he was the greatest South American comic writer. Um, Brethier talks um, a number of times about him, um, and he says um, that he didn't write a comic script. He wrote a story and gave it to him. So a lot of what um, he saw on the page from Oster- from Osterheld he had to basically break up, get rid of a couple of things, tr- almost translate into a comic for him. Um, Osterheld was um, started off, as we say started off by getting a geology degree. Um, yeah, sorry, Lambeck, Lambeck described him as probably the most important comics writer from South America, um, and he was a big fan of Ray Bradbury. And when I when I read that, I realised there was that Ray Bradbury lo- talks a lot about the humanity of people and the way that this science fiction story affects them. And I think you see that in the eternal as well as, as well as other books. Um, I think, I don't know if I mentioned it to you earlier, but I actually find um, his, his words very akin to someone like T.S. Eliot. There's that, there's a poetry to what he writes, you know, as a personal poetry with, you know, um, an overlying impact into what he's writing. It really, he really is incredible. Um, yeah i'm i'm i would buy anything he wrote right now i'm just a really big fan of his the, the only problem is he died so early this fuck all there you can read about him i know
1: yeah and there's so little bit an english translation i mean we have to shout out and say that the translation is um you know is beautiful and yeah. poetic so thank goodness for that um I did notice one slight error in Mort Cinder, but that's just a minor niggle. But, you know, um, yeah, the translation of the work and his writing is so beautiful. And, you know, how lucky we are to have them now from Fantagraphics. So I'm just going to shout out Fantagraphics for putting them out in different formats. Lovely books. Um, Yeah, you know, bringing these unknown... South American
0: masters to our attention. Uh, you know, I'm just so glad to have them, Tony. Yeah, me too, man. I, I, I'm I'm over the moon about this. I just wish I could go on eBay and buy Mysterix magazine and Frontier yeah. magazine and all this sort of thing just to just to see what they were doing in them. Um, yeah, I'd recommend the Dracula thing. I haven't read. I'm not a big uh, Lovecraft guy, but um, I'm, I'm and I think he perhaps is overquoted these days. But I think back then, probably if they were doing it, I would definitely. Definitely um get a copy. He's the writing and the art come together for me in Mort Cinder and the Eternaut. They um they come together perfectly. I think they're a great pairing. Um and Brethier um was just inspirational. Um the fact that he died in ninety three, I'm hoping allowed him to influence a lot of the comic artists that we still see now, as as well as Frank Miller. I'm hoping there's there's some people there who were more aware of him back in the day as well. I uh, like Sinkevich. But there is this dark, mysterious, esoteric—you know—heavily stylized way he draws that. I think people need to take a chance on it. It's not—it's not what you would see in an average DC or Marvel book these days. But if you once you get your eye in, the only other one I could think of maybe would would be Jim Colan, but um, who's got that similar sort of not all the lines join kind of style to him but i think once you get into it once you allow your you know get your eye in the in cricketing term the i think you, i think you will enjoy it It's and it, it becomes i do this every time with you Eamon. we always you always get me to read something that i take a deep dive into so i think for about a month all i read was ec comics cuz of you but the, the same with with um breath here is all i've read is this for about the last 3 weeks is all of his stuff but yeah yeah definitely um yeah thanks, it's man. extraordinary stuff yeah. yeah yeah i've done it again haven't i <laughs> yeah <laughs> Right, so let's uh, finally tackle who we think Mort Cinder is something we haven't done yet So who is he and who who do you think he is in this book? So he is in a way the cause of a lot of these stories but he's a different person in each story isn't he? So he is
1: we know he's an immortal character who dies and rises again Uh, we know that he's lived through virtually all of history so whenever he finds, they find an ancient Greek artifact he'll say oh yes i remember this i was there and he'll go back to Thermopylae, or he'll go back to the pyramids or he'll go back to the tower of babel (laughs) um so i'm interested to hear your theories about this i was thinking of um because i you know we're comic book guys i was thinking of other immortal characters in comic books yeah uh like somebody like hob gadlin in the sandman comics or the Phantom Stranger in DC Comics is okay. in in the Secret Origins issue that I think Alan Moore wrote for him. They did uh, they sort of did a typical Alan Moore thing where he had four possible origin stories for Phantom <laughs> Stranger, and one of them had him as um, and I'm not sure if we're I, I'm not sure if this phrase is still acceptable, but there's a there's a character sort of from folklore who was a Jewish character who denounced Jesus and was then cursed to never die and to wander the the world for the rest of time. Now, obviously, Mort Sinner goes back pre that time, so he can't be that character. But, I mean, and his name is something to do with death and ashes. I've seen stuff written about that.
0: I mean, so I don't know. He made
1: me think of other comic
0: book immortals. What about you? Who do you think he is? Yeah, I think you're right. I think the name... um, is Really relevant, and I think if you look at the title, um, uh, the title work on the, the comic page, Mort Cinder has got a crucifix in the middle of it. Um, there is some kind of pseudo religious thing going on here, you know. He is he does return f- back to life, doesn't he? And the first time we meet him, how many days has he been dead? Is there a sort of Christian iconography thing going on with him. I don't think there's any doubt that Ezra is the everyman. Every he's the narrator, isn't he? And which yes. I, I really enjoy narrated comics. It's a really big thing of mine. Um, and I think that he's the everyman. He's the curious. He's the Doctor Who's companion. He's you know everything that he allows us to push on and and you know, exposition expert and this sort of thing. But I think I actually think Mort Cinder is whatever the for the practicalities of creating a, a weekly comic. I think Mort Cinder is whatever they needed it to be to a certain extent. I think he is a pulp character. Um who's the we did valiant comics, didn't we? What about Armstrong? There's an, an element of one of those three poems. Oh, yeah, Gilad yep. and, you know, um Ivar. Um there's an everyman element to him because he's been somewhere everywhere. You know, he's like you say, he's been to Therm- Thermopolis, he's been to ancient Egypt, you know, he's He sat on a train station platform and and realised that someone is someone's mum. You know, he's he's part of the story for everything. Um, And he is a saviour, in a way, of Ezra. I think there's a lot to me to say that this is a construct of Ezra's brain. Um, Right. Ezra is seeing... He needs saving, so someone saves him. He sees these... um, uh these items these um these uh, historical items or antiques and he sees them and he needs a story to come out of them so who's who's the best person to have a story oh look there's a vase i was there when that vase was created you know it's almost like that um they're a creation a bit of ezra's mind somehow um but yeah it's it's a really really strange one because we're not um argentinian we don't understand the culture but maybe there is that sort of lone gaucho who, you know, turns up from the you know, from the shrubs and comes into town and tells a story and leaves again. And there might be a bit of that going on there somewhere. Um and he himself, um, here wrote quite a few comics on on the on the gauchos, you know. Um Yeah, he's 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 an interesting one, isn't he? For someone who doesn't actually fucking say that much. You know, Ezra does all the talking really. Um yeah. apart from the odd the odd bit of uh, exposition or the sto- pushing the story on. Um he's he's a strange character and um it's something we don't see anymore. We don't see that character who's there just to be the story and not much else. But, you know, uh, it, it, is it particularly believable when he goes, oh, yeah, I was at Thermopolis, you know, and you're like, oh, I was okay. there,
1: I was there, That's
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I'll um, just mention that there's a prologue story which yes.
1: doesn't have Mort Cinder in it. It's just Ezra Winston. Yeah. And the last panel of that first story, has Ezra Winston looking out at us from the panel in a characteristic sort of pose, looking over the top of his glasses, right. which per- perched on the end of that impressive <sighs> beak of a nose. And he says, Is the past as dead as we believe? Ah, so, right. Possibly, as you say, everything that follows might be, in a way, uh, a construct. Yeah, okay. This oh, lo- I like this lonely one, old dude. Yeah. Slowly yeah. old dude, surrounded by his uh, historical artifacts.
0: Yeah, he gets, he's fascinated by. He goes in the woods and falls in some quicksand, and he suddenly he's on a on a deck in a hospital, and who comes and saves him? But yeah, I know what you mean. The, the yeah. other, I think there's a parallel with a couple of other characters here, but I think one of the ones I I, I saw straight away was um, it plays with myths in the same way that Hellboy plays with myths. So yeah. they um, they insert Hellboy into known world myth or you know into. Russian mythology or Chinese mythology and stuff like that. And in the same way that we're inserting Mort Cinder, who is this big tough dude, you know, can punch his way out of most things uh, in a way, a little bit like, um, Hellboy somehow. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Uh, and the other thing is I sent you, I decided that I was actually in the matrix because I sent you one of the drawings, one of the, one of the panels from this. And it was, um, he, he, he meets a policeman who's got like a weird scar on his face and gets directed to St. Albans. Um, I'm like, what? What is going on here? Why? Why is it? You know, there's some kind of weird witchcraft going on with me. Bear in mind, for the, those that don't know, I live in St. Albans. Um and apparently I'm not going to say that this is connected to you, Tony. But you know. <laughs> yeah, everything is. Yeah, look at me, self-obsessed. <laughs> but um, and um, reading down the tubes uh, isn't in fact in Albans, It's Norwich, according to Michael Crouch. Thank you, Michael. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's that street that's um, used a couple of times, I think, in it as well. Um, the sort of old streets because a bit like um dylan dog from italy this is based in the uk Um, yes and fortunately Brethier had the advantage of having been in the uk for just over a year but uh bearing on how hard they work those those guys those artists i can't imagine he got much time to go to norwich or st albans or to go and visit him (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and get the train and that sort of thing yeah yeah Good stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely loved that. That was um, an education again. You know, um. an education. And thanks to Fantagraphics
1: yes. uh, for making it available in English translation and putting out. And there's more to come, as you say. There's the Dracula volume where he does it's his color work. Yeah. And then there's more. We think there's more to come. The Cthulhu stuff. Um, and can I also <laughs> just mention the cartoonist Kayfabe? Of okay? course. Yeah. So, for anybody who doesn't know, and I didn't know about it until hearing you talk about Cartoonist Kayfabe. Cartoonist Kayfabe is a YouTube channel by Ed Piscor and Jim Rugg, two American cartoonists. And they uh, dissect comic book art. Um, and, you know, I, you can listen to the audio as a podcast as well, but you, you often you need to go and look at the visuals with them. Yeah, and pretty much any you know any or any comic book artist or book that you can think of, if you search their channel, they've probably done an episode on it at some point, haven't they? I find because yeah. you know I looked for it, and there of course there was they've done two episodes about Breathier. So yeah, yeah, Cartoonscape. If you're not familiar with
0: them, check out their YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm an addict to them, and uh, they, it's they great stuff. Love, I really like them. I think they're great guys, and there's been an awful lot of. We I, I'm surprised by the amount of things that especially you or Johnny Cannon brings up when he comes on, um, big shouts Johnny. Um that is we're we're not copying them, but we seem to be covering a lot of the same ground. Um and they're a great little yeah. research tool as well. You you and I both go there before we, you know, as part of the research that we're doing. Yeah, re- really yes. good guys. And they also um reviewed a topic Hercules and referred it to referred to it as kick ass in one of their in one of their episodes, there you go. which is very exciting. Yeah, which we were over the moon, and we then sold 60 copies, which is very kind of them. But, uh, hey! <laughs> yeah, I, I really like those guys, yeah. Um, and they, they, they occasionally have a, a great little guest on. The, the, for example, the Kriegstein episode was brilliant, wasn't it? You know, i got loads out. Of they that. did an
1: episode on, on Bernie Kriegstein and Master Race. Uh, we've talked about them a few times, but they're really worth checking out. They're very, very insightful about art and art techniques. Yeah. And even things about, like, paper stock and the pen, picking up fibres from the paper and all sorts of things yeah. that they, they pick out. Um, it's fanta- It's fan- fascinating stuff, I, you know. Yeah. I had them on today while I was doing some baking and they were sort of... <laughs> I saw your baking. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's the run-up to christmas i'm doing some baking (laughs) i'm looking forward to the don't you do like a cake that's a carnage scene or something or what's that yeah the carnage
1: christmas cake will be along in
0: the next (laughs) week or so yes that's right the uh, the horror film inflected uh
1: christmas cake with lots
0: of uh red icing good we had a big shout out to uh again johnny cannon and also cliff cumber we had a impromptu um uh drink and draw at the weekend um jwc hosted it thanks jwc and um they both educated me as to what paper you would need and how you would run um uh, a razor blade across the right kind of paper which is um you need that smoother is it cold pressed paper i think it's i think it was what was uh, it. okay um, because otherwise um, a lot of paper has a t- has tooth in it so if you're running right. a blade across it you're going to cut it up but if you've got that sort of flat and almost got a shiny surface you know like you get a lot of um yeah um blank covers don't you of marvel comics and stuff yes. like that card covers you can run it across that which is really interesting yeah uh, okay yeah so over to you over to you man what um so what now that you're retired you'll probably be doing what four podcasts a week now something like that will it be what <laughs> uh what have you got planned coming up in your comics world
1: uh so mega city book club we've got as you mentioned him a few times johnny cannon uh, yeah uh he will be along on Sunday, talking about Alan Davis and his work on Excalibur. Oh, good. Uh, good. And Johnny Cannon, who refers to me and himself as two of your never on anything mistresses. Um, <laughs> okay. So Johnny Cannon. <laughs> this parish and then uh, my first episode in january will be garth ennis talking about oh wow um a british war comic called johnny Red from battle oh, he's a big fan of that isn't he yeah oh he's a huge fan and yeah um you know I, I did want to ask him about his comics but he just wanted to talk about johnny Red. <laughs> oh man i <I'm>, can't <laughs> um, wait for that which one. is fantastic oh that's great well i'm actually i'm actually going to be doing in january a sort of battle action 1970s miniseries so we'll have johnny redd we'll have hellman of hammer force paul trimble of the enniskillen comic fest yeah and then uh 2000 ad writer james peaty is doing hms nightshade which is a john wagner um i think that's Mike western artwork on that one
0: okay
1: um so that'll be a, there's a sort of battle action miniseries coming up Brilliant. but also hopefully we'll get back to some 2008 titles soon as well um conrad from space spinner 2000 is going to do rage the strontium dog story with me okay. possibly one of the sort of the biggest stories in the history of 2000 ad so we'll be doing that shortly oh nice one. um yeah so lots to come on Mega City book club um in you know i'm actually at the moment i've got a surfeit of guests and episodes so you know i'm it's finding time to put them all out is the, is the problem at the moment to edit them and put them out but you know it's not fun a bad place to be to have, not, not a, a comic book problems
0: yeah. yeah no exactly yeah oh that's good man i'm i'm, I'm excited for the garth in one bloody hell can't wait to hear that that's gonna be brilliant um, Yeah. and also we all met up with conrad didn't we we met up at the um so is it southern contingent what do we call ourselves eastern contingent don't we so um, we're the Eastern Contingent. Yeah, we had a, we had a meet-up in a pub
1: um, about, was it a fortnight ago, just yeah, coming up? It. Uh, yeah, When it seemed relatively safe to do so before <laughs> Omicron descended upon us. Uh, yeah, we had a big meet-up in a pub in Cambridge, which was delightful. And we, you know, Conrad and Fox from Space Spinner 2000 were there. And your good self, was there? You were the yeah.
0: smartest-dressed man. Yeah, in I started wearing a tie because my wife says I look like a tramp. So I started wearing a tie. that's right. my story. Yep. Have so you looked like a tramp wearing a tie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. People. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. And and it was quite a big turnout actually, wasn't it? It was about twenty people by the end of it, if not more. It was astonishing. It was the most number of people we'd ever had.
1: Um, so Fox and his wife live in Cambridge. They yeah. came, and Conrad's dad was over from America. Oh, he that's He came along right. as well. So yeah. he's now an honorary member of the uh the contingent as well so yeah and you very and, kindly uh, gave me a badge and we've got badges yeah <laughs> yeah we've got badges so yeah vince and dan and yourself are also honoring that as well you're 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 a real member. you turn up yeah they just want to bees.
0: <laughs> want bees um oh that's good stuff man yeah I'm, I'm hopefully you'll have another one once everything breaks back to normal again what
1: well, calms down a bit more yeah. yeah and
0: i i did nip into
1: forbidden planet in cambridge and by uh, what was it what's it called King of Spies oh yeah uh, what do you think that you'd recommended I think it's great yeah Yeah. it's nice to see Um, I mean you probably know I passed my copy on to Dan of the Awesome Comics Podcast and he uh, he liked it
0: as well so yeah 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 I'm glad I got that looking forward to the
1: next one yeah
0: nice to see someone just doing good fun adventure comics now I just loved it yeah absolutely Yeah. yeah with a great beard good and where can people find you where can people find you online dude uh megacitybookclub.com twitter at
1: mcbc podcast uh or email mcbcpodcast at gmail.com that's where you'll find me and you'll also find links there to my other little projects british invaders yes a handful of dust which might be coming back um yeah and
0: that's basically it megacitybookclub.com you just had a british invaders crossover didn't you how good do those avengers pages look like that's gorgeous aren't they it's astonishing so <laughs> british invaders we did the diana rick and appeal
1: avengers from the 1960s and big finish who put out the audios had sort of reprinted these uh avengers comics that appeared in a girls comic called diana yeah from the early 1960s. I'm, I'm guessing that possibly only Dr. Julia Round my, you know, um, might have known about them apart from whoever found them for Big Finish. Yeah. And it's fully painted, glorious, technicolor artwork from two Spanish artists. You know, exactly what we were talking about, those sorts yeah. of British adventure comics from the 60s. And it's astonishing. The artwork is just glorious. Oh, my God, it? it's
0: so good. Yeah, why have yeah. we not seen that before? And the, the, what you say in it is they come from a girls' comic. I just didn't expect it at all. Maybe no. if it was TV comic or, you know, looking or something, you might vaguely expect it, but not that. You know, suddenly I'm like, I'm actually quite a big Avengers fan. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, um, big finish. Well, great, I'd though, never heard like of it.
1: Stuff. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. So we did a crossover, so... We did two episodes on British Invaders about the TV show and then Brian came on my podcast and we did an episode about the comic, which is uh, out in the feed at the moment as we're recording this, so you can hear that. Um, and check out the uh, the artwork because it's stunning.
0: Yeah, good stuff, man. Um, you can find my stuff and Adam's and Darrells if you go to patreon.com forward slash Tribute Press um we're currently running Hank Fur um the story about the amazing bullshitting man who may or may not be telling the truth about some of the stories that have happened in his life um and Daryl's killing on it you can go back if you remember or if you want to join up you can go back and read 5 issues of um Flesh and Ink which is a story I did with Adam um about a comic shot, a comic publisher that is, lives above a strip club in North London and fights satanists um and upcoming next week we've got the new episode of Baboonsville Radio which is just for um the patreons and it is, um, the Christmas episode. So be prepared for some Christmas music and us swearing a lot. So thanks for listening to this. Um, we were going to have Stephen Appleby on tomorrow, but, um, sadly he's not very well. So get, get well soon, Stephen. Um, yes, uh, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of his art that just even talking to him on, on WhatsApp is a pleasure, you know? Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. So it was going to be a look around his studio, which I was going to include little, little few clips of video as well. But, um, um, yeah that's that's likely to be put off and we've got a couple coming at you over the christmas period so thanks Simon we shall have a chat in a second about another one my friend but uh, yeah absolutely brilliant man what a great choice thanks for having me tony cheers mate